Lampshade Media presents The Federal Reserve Board Goes Wild with Pinak Patel. Pinak Patel, welcome to Lampshade Media Presents, the Federal Reserve Board Gone Wild. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we get we're getting into the economic world now. Yeah, uh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, it's uh Matt Loxley and I talked about economics last episode for a long time. Yeah. I hope we still have all the listeners. I know like economics isn't the isn't the the bright spot for most comedy fans. <laughs> it's fair. We could change it up if you want. Oh boy! <laughs> After all the all the money I've spent on branding, so uh, like you, you're you're saying you don't like the name, of course. I mean, it, it, if if we want to focus away from economics for for the day, let, let, let's let's focus on something else. Let's change it up. Let's change it up. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to focus on? <laughs> um. All right. Let's uh let's go with something a little bit lighter. You know. Let's. Let's make it racial. You know, that's always a lighter topic. Um, so let's go with the Brown Power Hour. <laughs> the Brown Power Hour. I Okay, so uh, immediately I'm concerned because people are going to think I named it. I know, and it's going to be great. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take I'm going to take it under consideration. <laughs> yeah, it's actually I just so today is uh is uh, September 23rd at the time of recording like we both just found out about uh, Brianna Taylor today about the the officers uh, not being charged. The lack of sentencing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Some. Ah, uh, dude. Like, I, 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 the thing that bothers me the most about that, right? Well, all right. There's so many. I can't even submit submit one thing. That 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 wouldn't be fair. Right. Um, but like, I, I don't want to go off on too many rants. But did you read the fucking email that like that one sergeant, like I think it was like Mattingly or whatever, sent to his like Louisville cops like the day like yesterday or some shit like that or maybe the day before? No, no, I didn't hear Dude, about this. I I would look that shit up. Like I, I believe um, one of our good friends. I don't know if we can name names, but Samantha Sizemore actually uh, posted it on her Facebook. Like you know, just like the, a, a screenshot of um that uh email but like the, li- literally oh, this you know what i think i might have seen that yeah and like this dude is literally is like saying how like oh i know we did the right thing and shit like that calling the fbi agents who are investigating it like pussies basically saying they couldn't handle the job they're doing when like honestly if you know anything about fucking like how the fbi hiring process is most of their fucking agents and any of their correspondents are mostly military members and former military members. So, like, you're yeah. literally saying that the fucking military isn't as trained as the cops? We all know that's bullshit. So get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually, like, shocking how little training, right? It's just, it's unbelievable it's, how little training. It's truly absurd. I, I don't understand how it's that easy. Yeah. Uh, it, it shouldn't be so simple for just an over aggressive clearly violent group of people to be able to just get these positions like 
we've done these studies before. We did the study in the fucking 70s with the Stanford Prison Experiment. Granted, there are some issues with it. But the general consensus is when you have people who have these tendencies, you're going to have these reactions. Like, if you get, like, the, the whole uh, option of defunding the police is not this idea of, like, oh, no, nobody's going to be out here. Like, it's putting actually people who are trained for these situations exactly. to respond to these situations. Yeah. When there's... Most of the people who are getting fucked up by cops are mental health patients who can't afford care. Yeah. That is the biggest issue that we have in this country. I mean, most, if you look at like most of the homeless problem in like LA or actually anywhere, even here, you know, like in Columbus, the homeless people, they're, it's, you can tell when you talk to them, these aren't people who are doing well. You know, they clearly have actual issues, not all of them, but like a good percentage have like actual like mental health issues yeah. that are going untreated which are causing these problems, and then they end up getting arrested, and they get fucked up even more because, like, they don't care what they do to them in the, in the fucking holdup and, like, as cops. Like, they're fucking assholes about shit. I remember the time I got arrested for a missed court date. That's what I got arrested for. And they even oh, wow. asked uh, when, I, when they pulled me over and arrested me, they were like, do you have the $200 for the court fees? Because if you do, you can go free. But it had to be cash. What? Had to be cash. Wait a sec. Uh, Wait that's a, sec. a real thing. That was a real thing. That's man. Th that's not real though. That's bribery, right? They 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 were taking bribes. I I I don't know. I was told by a friend um who like was in a similar situation. Like yeah, like they'll give you like a document saying like you paid it off or whatever, um and that'll just count as like the like paying off your court fees. Huh. But like I don't. How does that like? That's so fucking weird, right? Like, literally, if, yeah. you had, if I had the cash on me, I would have just been able to drive my ass home. No problems. So then you put it into the situation of someone like I, I didn't have the cash on me at that time. But my sister's a lawyer. I called her and I got like when I was in hold up by like 10 o'clock the next morning, like I got locked up at like one or two. By 10 o'clock the next morning, I was out because my sister like helped pay that shit off and like got that cleared. But like. Someone who doesn't have those resources, you know, like I was lucky enough to have like, you know, the resource of my sister who had that like ability to do that. Um, but somebody who doesn't have that ability, what are they going to do? What all yeah. that's going to happen is if you can't pay that two hundred dollars, that was my situation. I would have stayed in holding until my court date. Wow. So if I didn't have my sister to help me get out of that, I would have missed multiple days of work. I would have been, I would have been fired. Like, yeah. there's no, I wouldn't have been able to call into work and tell them like, hey, I'm fucking in jail. Like, I, I can't come. I would have been fired. I would have missed multiple days. I would have had to wait for that shit out. And like, that's just, that's how they set this system up. So that people yeah. who are poor get fucked like that. Yeah. It's the reason why Jeff Bezos, when he was building his new house in D.C. Sorry, I, I, I told you I was going to rant about this for too long. So like, if you want to no, cut no, me off at any point. You're, you're fine, um, man. But like, uh, when, when he, uh, he was getting his new mansion built in D.C., he racked up over $150,000 in parking tickets. A hundred and over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. What he the didn't, fuck? He didn't give a fuck. He didn't care how he parked his car. He left it wherever because it was close enough because he was doing construction and shit on his mansion. So he didn't give a fuck that he was breaking the law. He because he knew he could afford to pay it off. Right. Whereas um, I can't remember the name of the person, but there was a nurse in I believe uh, D.C. as well who was arrested and imprisoned for four years for failed parking ticket payments, essentially. Like, 
Hmm. And, and like I think hers were only like eight hundred dollars or like even less than that. Yeah. And she gets put in like four years of jail, and of course she's a black nurse. And like and, and like, how, how do you get how do you four m- years for parking tickets? Yeah, dude. It seems like like rapists get that much time. Yeah, like well, no, rapists don't even get that much time. Must be real here, Brock Turner. Like these guys, like I mean, yeah, these guys didn't get that much time. Like they, they he served what six months. For a rape he definitely committed that two white guys had to rip him off of and, like, had to beat him down, essentially, for him to stop. Yeah. Six months. No big deal. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely a place for uh, people with money to get away with whatever. It's it's insane. Yeah. And and, and you're right. At the bottom, like, you're, you're there's it's a trap at the bottom. Be- like, do you listen to Serial, the podcast? I haven't, no. Uh, no. Season three, they did this deep dive in Cleveland, Ohio, in the uh, uh, court system there. Mm-hmm. It was just shocking how how fucked these people were. They were trapped in this system, and the one kid actually became an, an informant, and they didn't even protect him. You know, he was in jail, and they weren't even protecting him, and he was getting his ass beat, you know? And yeah. just shit like that. It's like, why would anyone work with you? You know, why? why I, that's crazy. I mean, it's what they did to Khalif Browder as well. Like, I, I don't know if uh, you uh, you know his story, but he was wrongfully imprisoned for something he didn't commit. They said he stole a backpack. He did not do that. But they fucking threw him in a holding and in prison. And because he wouldn't take the plea deal because he's like, no, I didn't do this. Like, we're going to he like. He had to wait for trial for about two years in prison, yeah. and they just tortured the fuck out of him. Mm-hmm. He had no idea when he was going to get beaten by either a guard or another inmate or something like that. And they would they would throw him like I think he spent a good percentage of it in solitary. Um, it was this was all like actually talked about in um, that documentary the Thirteenth uh, um, by Ava DuVernay on Netflix, which definitely recommend checking out. All right, um, but. Uh, it it kind of goes into the whole issue of that slavery was never actually abolished in this country. You know, the 13th Amendment literally says that slavery is abolished except in the case of punishment for a crime. Yeah. Which is why they just turned marketing from black people are the problem to criminals are the problem. And mm-hmm. it just so happens that for some reason all the criminals are black in this country. Yeah, okay. That's that's how that actually works. Yeah. Um, but uh, so like Khalif Browder, like, you know, he spent like that two years, like part of it in solitary, part of it out. And eventually, like, you know, he was freed. Like all charges were dropped because he didn't actually fucking do anything. DNA evidence could prove that shit Dude. forever ago. And within two years of him being free, he committed suicide because like he just he was just so tortured by everything, man. And it's so fucking frustrating. It's so fucking frustrating. By the way, I, I, I was uh, slightly incorrect on that, like, Jeff Bezos thing. It was $16,000 of parking tickets, and the woman basically had, like, less than 200 Yeah, so, it's still... Still, like, the, the margins are ridiculous. Yeah, because, like, $16,000 to Jeff Bezos is, like... It's literally pocket it's change. It's bullshit. It's yeah. literally pocket change. I, I remember I did the calculation once just to, like, fuck around. If Jeff Bezos went out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the year, if he gave a $1,000 tip to each server at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, he still would not even break $40 million. 
So for what? 365 days, like roughly like something like that, he wouldn't even break $40 million if he gave them each $1,000 a day. I think it was like it was like $45 million or some shit like that was when I did the calculation. One, that's less than he makes in a single day anyway. So like it wouldn't even affect him. He would make that back in a day. But, of course, he would never do that. You were talking about that, that guy that ended up killing himself because of this bullshit. Have you heard about In the Dark? This is another fantastic investigative reporting podcast. Uh, I was just trying to look up the name of the guy because I was having a brain fart, but I, I think it's uh, Curtis Flowers. He was in jail without being convicted for 20 years or something, 20-some years, mm. and he went through seven trials. And this guy, this DA, was such a piece of shit racist, just the fucking worst. He was actually just getting rid of all the black people on the fucking jury. And and it's that's illegal. Yeah. And he actually got in trouble for that. And these these uh, cases were dismissed because of that several times. And then he'd just come back and keep doing it. And they had just all this trumped up evidence. It was complete bullshit. And they just completely overlooked actual meaningful evidence because they just had such a hard on for this dude. This guy oh, was yeah. a fucking uh, uh, just a sweetheart of a person that sang in the church choir with his family. That was their favorite thing to do. It, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, man, and like that shit happens so often too. Um, I, I don't. Did you what? Like, I keep bringing up movies and shit like that, but that's just yeah. how my mind. I works. keep bringing up podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, have you ever uh, watched uh, Just Mercy? Um, it came out like last year. It had uh, Michael B. Jordan in it. He was playing uh, Brian Stevenson, uh, the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. He basically like when he got his law degree when he graduated from Harvard. He moved down to Alabama to, you know, fight for civil rights down there. You know, it's definitely interesting. Like, you know, one of the first cases that he dealt with was essentially a similar situation of they just they were out for this one fucking black guy. And like they all knew why it was because he fucking slept with a white girl at one point. So like they were just after this black guy. They had someone basically lying to say that he witnessed some shit and like saying some shit like that. And just like they were literally like gunning for him so hard. And it was so ridiculous. They literally pressured a dude being like, we're going to fucking kill you. Like we're going to put you on death row and you're going to die unless you testify saying this guy did this. And then we're going to put him on death row. In the Dark series, they had a similar situation with this Curtis Flowers case where there was this guy that was just a, just a total criminal. And he testified against Curtis Flowers. And, and the, uh, the, t the investigative team tracked this dude down. And he, he admitted it. He admitted that it was a lie because they no longer it was no longer benefiting him. Like what the deal they gave him was no longer benefiting him. So he's like, yeah, I just they they offered me this, they offered me that, and that was the case in all of these different testimonies. The the DA would go to these fucking people and be like, hey, we'll give you anything you want, you know, if you if you tell say what we want on what we want you to say. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, it's so corrupt. I can't even fucking believe it. It's it's so ridiculous. Like I I, I don't. I, I don't understand how 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 they I, I don't understand how they how they feel like comfortable doing such things even like how do you lack such humanity yeah to, to to deliberately try to destroy people why what purpose do you have for that right 
Like, ah, oh, man. It's that's a that's a difficult thing to answer because it's they. I think most of the time they actually believe the shit. Yeah. But it just sounds it's 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 so absurd, like that. I before when when before we were talking and I showed you that picture that a friend of mine made with it's mm-hmm. the, it, it, these people are like crazy fundamentalists picketed abortion clinics and all that shit and and they made this uh meme it's the anatomy of a fascist and then it's got a picture of a Klansman and says fucking anti-fascist so basically they think that Klansmen are anti-fascist and that makes them fascist and and I'm I'm just like people are actually liking this and sharing it and that's the truth you know and I'm like this is how do you believe that? How, I mean, that doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever. Yeah, like they were literally trying to portray Antifa and like BLM and Pride as the the KKK, and like that's that's you you're crossing teams here, man. Like the KKK is on y'all side. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's so fucking offensive. It's 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 crazy. Like no, yeah. they voted for the same person you did. What the fuck are you? You know, the KKK is voting with you. Yeah. Like how can you like? That's it's it's just uh, it's bonkers, man. But I don't know. Everything's fucking bonkers right now, isn't it? It's it's this notion that people of color who talk about race are somehow racist because they're talking about it. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Like talking about a subject does not make it. Oh, like I'm being racist because I'm talking about race. No, that's my fucking life, man. I didn't choose to have the color of my skin be a defining factor for how I'm treated. That wasn't something that was chosen by me. That was chosen by y'all's white ancestors. Like, I, obviously not y'all's, but, like, you know what I'm saying, yeah. like, in, in the general sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't have a choice in that factor. I'm just living in the world where that is a factor. So I, I will talk about it because it has become a factor that I have to deal with. If the world changes, we will change accordingly. You know, if the world doesn't, if somehow all of a sudden the world isn't racist, we won't have to talk about race anymore. We mm-hmm. won't. But right. it still is. So it's still a defining factor. Yeah. It, me being brown affects the way I live. It is a part of who I am simply for the fact that you being white is a, is a, was like, you know, the defining factor, you know, like. Yeah. And this idea, like, I think it's a really frustrating like obviously you know not new but like there are people like i'm sure like you know the your fundamentalist or conservative family or friends or whatever who like have this notion that calling someone white is somehow offensive and it's like oh that's being okay you're being like oh you're 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 defining me by the color of my skin and it's just like um yeah that's uh that's how it's been for all of us for a long ass time, man. You guys don't just get to be blank. That's not how this works. This, there's no yeah. default human. And if there was, it's the black woman. Let's be real here. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you get a similar experience to the black experience in America being Indian? No. It is it's adjacent. Sure. Um, but it's it's not it's not it's not the same. I I I don't deal with the systemic issues as much. Asians were very selectively chosen. The whole immigration act that was, um, or like the immigration ban essentially between uh, World War II and the 1964 Immigration Act. What they did after that, during like the after they passed the Asian like the Immigration Act, the Asian Im- uh, immigrants that they allowed in were only college-educated Asians. 
So that's why you get this stereotype of this oh, model minority wow. shit is because they only allowed college graduate Asians to migrate to this country. And then they were given the opportunity to get loans from banks after a while, whereas the black community was not given that opportunity. Yeah. You know, we, we know very well, like there's a lot of record of the banks, like, you know, having prejudice against minorities and things like that. But what they did essentially is when the Asian communities came here and, you know, they were able to work and build up money and save and then they were able to apply for loans and get those loans. And that's where you get the whole stereotype of the Asian convenience store owner, like, you know, mm -hmm. the Korean convenience store owner, the Indian like gas station guy. Like that's where all these stereotypes came from to a degree because they selected this shit. It was it was all basically handpicked. They ha they they selected only college graduate uh, um, Asians to come into this country, and then I gave them opportunity. So that led to that whole option of the model minority thing. So that is the side of the racism I dealt with. Was oh you're supposed to be like this? Oh it, you're Asian, you're Indian, you're supposed to be smart, you're supposed to be blah, 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 all this these things, and, and it's still even if it's a positive to a degree whatever like you want to call it it's still being racist like generalizing a whole group of people by certain characteristics simply defined by the fact that you hand selected our ancestors like our our parents you know were hand selected mm -hmm. so like of course we fucking are gonna come out smart if you only had all the smart people come <laughs> like yeah that, that's how that works and then so like uh we do like I, I i've talked about this like with other people as well like Asians and like me personally, especially like at, at least in my case, especially we deal with individual racism more than systemic racism. You know, it's that whole, oh, where are you from sort of deal. Like, and it's just like, I'm from Ohio. Like, I don't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or, or like I had somebody ask me where my accent was from once. I'm just like, I, I don't even know how to answer this question. Columbus, that's, Ohio. Like, I that's don't... really weird because I've I you, you told me earlier that you that you're bilingual, but I had I. You have no accent. Yeah, I know, right? Ohio is, Columbus especially, this is where newscasters come to perfect their dictionary English, you know? So, like, this is where I grew up in, like, with, the like, the English-speaking world here. But, like, it's so weird. Like, I, and it was so funny, like, when I told the dude, like, I don't know, like, Columbus? And, like, you know, like, this is when I was serving. So, like, I got them their drinks and I came back. And he was like, oh, you know what? I did just notice that, like, you don't have an accent. I'm like, so you didn't even notice oh, an wow. accent. You didn't even notice if there was an accent. You just wanted to figure out a way to ask, where are you from? <laughs> but you knew asking where are you from was fucked up. So you decided to go with, where is your accent from? What? Like, it's a lot of weird, on. yeah. That's pretty fucking awkward, man. <laughs> like, Jesus. What? Come the fuck on, man. <laughs> yeah. So I do have this thing where when I meet somebody or something, I will pick the low-hanging fruit. So if there's something obvious about their name or some yeah. joke that they hear a hundred times a day, I'm going to be like, and at my worst, you know, I'm going to be like, oh, hey, I got a funny joke. And I'm like, oh, about your name. You know what I mean? The most obvious thing. And I, I, I think some of that is like that kind of awkwardness from white people because they just don't know what to fucking do with themselves. Yeah. And like, I, feel I like and I don't mean to just that's I, that wasn't to justify yeah, it. By no, the way. I was thinking about it. No, and, like, I, I think it is, like, one of those things where, like, a lot of times when people ask this these questions, like, you know they're not necessarily coming from a bad place. 
like they are coming from a a, a place of like inquisition like they want to yeah. which is probably not the right word to use <laughs> 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 I thought about that in post like you know what that that leads to wrong some some really bad things <laughs> uh but no, so like yeah, they're 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 trying to be inquisitive, right? Like that, yeah, like yeah. Like they're they're trying to inquire about like where I'm from or like what my or like nationality. Ultimately, to a degree though, what it does sometimes come down to, like I I like when the name is different, like what like when somebody has like a different name, I totally get it. But like if I haven't even introduced my name and somebody asks like, oh, where are you from? And I'm just like, okay, you just want to know where the color is from. Yeah, you saw color, you were like. I want to know where that shit's from. <laughs> well, there's like the uh, the issue of this fascination with like exotic cultures or something, right? So, so now, oh, you're, you know, I, I want to like, you know, I'm very interested in that, and it's like this weird kind of place because we're not talking about stuff where it's like I hate brown people. It's mm -hmm. just like you you're just ignorant and you don't know how to talk to people that don't look like you. It's right. really weird. Yeah, and uh, I, I I um. And this is like a, a huge point into why integration is so important. Yes, <laughs> is like you 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 do need to learn to how to how to talk to people of color. Like yeah, for the most part, you know, obviously it does vary. Obviously, you know, we're not all the same. We're not a monolith. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like, yeah, don't say stupid shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I, like I understand like wanting to know more, but. In the same regard of, like, any general friend, you aren't going to learn everything about them in the first interaction. Let your first interaction just be a genuine interaction amongst two human beings first. Yeah. And then we can get into the knowing each other part. Yeah. Like, a, a, a conversation, like, you know, if, having a conversation with like a random person that you meet at the bar, right? Like, you're yeah. not going to jump, like, straight into, like, uh, the the fucking deep dive of right. like race, religion, and politics and shit. You're gonna be talking about something bullshit, and you can enjoy those conversations and like and <laughs> yeah. and, and and wallow in them and and fucking invest in the people for what their exactly. interests are. And then you know if you actually are like if you talk to me about comedy and comic books and and all these things, like we can have these conversations. We'll be friends over time. We'll have further conversations about race, religion, and politics as those all dive deeper, you know? We don't need to discuss, oh, where are you from, where's your nationality, all that shit, like, right off the bat. Like, that's not a necessary conversation. Like, it's not – like, if it is pertaining to the conversation that exactly. you're, you're – like, that's one thing, you know? If I'm talking to somebody about being Indian, that's one thing. Or they're like, so wait, you're Indian, right? Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you know, that that's one thing. Uh, but, like, if, if we're not talking about anything of that sort, we don't need to bring it up. Like, well, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, it's, it's like I have a scar on my nose from a motorcycle accident mm. and it, it would be like somebody walking up to me at the bar and sitting down next to me and like, what the fuck happened to your nose? Yeah. You know, it's just like, well, don't don't do that. Or like somebody with a prosthetic. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't, don't just walk right up to somebody with a prosthetic and be like, oh, how'd you lose your arm? Like, fuck you. Back off, man. Yeah. Like, Fuck it. There's a person who with with the missing arm. Like, learn that who they right. are. You, they'll probably fucking tell you if you actually get into a conversation with them, and you'll have that conversation. Ninety percent of the time, if I'm gonna uh, get engage in a conversation with somebody, chances are 
me being Indian is going to come up to a degree because it's part of who I am. And yeah, like, sure. So we don't, you don't need to necessarily ask the question. It'll come up. It will. Like, it, it's fine. You, you will get there when it gets there. And, mm -hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, those conversations are more valuable anyway, because you've already invested in the actual person. It's exactly. the difference between a one night stand and like, you know, a, a longer lasting relationship. You've invested in it and, you know, sex yeah. is going to be better, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like it's uh sorry if that's a weird analogy. Nah, nah. <laughs> hey, hey, the, all the analogies are always weird. That's just how analogies are. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, like it, exactly, like it's it's one of those things where if if you have already invested in the person, you will learn that information because mm -hmm. that is a part of who they are. So you have already discovered that just by investing in the person. Yeah, you don't need to ask those specific questions and things like that because they will come up. It is a part yeah. of who we are. It is a part of our existence. It's the reason I'm wearing pink puffy pants. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, these things play a factor. <laughs> See, and I wasn't I wasn't going to talk about them. <laughs> not until, you know, it came yeah. into the conversation naturally. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it'll, it will. It always will. <laughs> I think that. The, the the most important thing, like what you said about about uh, diversity, the most important thing in my growth as a as a person was putting myself in the middle of a of a very diverse community. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I had like all of these different people that were, you know, kind of showing me their perspective. And that is invaluable. I think like if if anybody out there is listening and you're like one <laughs> dude, like look around your your peers. And if you don't see enough different people, then fucking change that shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like it's it's one of those things that I I I, I could never do growing up. Uh, and well, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's weird. As a kid, I feel like you almost naturally kind of fall into those rhythms due to your parents. Yeah, my parents are pretty much only friends with other people in the Indian community in Columbus, Ohio. Right. Mm -hmm. So most of the time growing up in like middle school and high school, I didn't really hang out with the kids in my school. Like when I was in school, I would hang out with, you know, a few people here and there. And mostly, actually, I only hung out with either the druggy kids or I would hang out with like the black kids or like the, like the Hispanic kids or the Indian kids, like literally the only the people of color. Like I, I barely ever hung out with like any of the white kids, like other than like a few friends I had from like middle school, I would still talk, like hang out with and talk to, but that would be like lunchroom shit and that would be it. And then when I would actually go like, you know, when you're hanging out with your friends after school, I would always be going to like Dublin or New Albany, hanging out with the fucking Indian kids doing shit like that. And, it wasn't until college where I got into the realization of just, I am fucking tired of dealing with the same people all the time. Hmm. It, and it was, it was something that like, you know, Asians do a lot. I had to kind of break out of that cycle. Cause like I was always the kid who didn't really hang out with too many, like me and my two, three friends that I had in the Indian community, we were always the ones who didn't really get too along with the rest of the Indian kids because, like, we were the nerds. <laughs> um, huh. like, we're like we were literally the little brothers. All of our sisters were, you know, like two years older than us, and so they had their group of friends, and so we were literally turned into the little brothers of the group for everybody. So, like, <laughs> it just it it just became annoying, and so 
when I like I I think it was pretty much when I started smoking weed. I'm just like, yeah, I can't deal with these people anymore, man. I can't like you. You start like realizing like all of these conversations are starting to be the same. Everyone is like doing the same shit. I'm like, I, I don't I don't want to be a part of this. And yeah, that's when I finally like kind of broke away and I just kind of floated around for a while until I um like I've always been really interested in comedy and shit and I finally kind of got into starting doing that like a, a while back I think like four years ago was the first time I went up and I really enjoyed like the community aspect and everything but like I never like got into it until like last year and it's been great it, yeah. it's like it's such a perfect community of like various groups of people you're always hearing different perspectives and listening to different types of people and all these different like ideas and thoughts and it's just and everyone is for the like yeah like everyone i interact with is always really cool and like always like like, like so it's always like been really a, a good time to like talk to everybody and like become friends with everybody in the comedy scene and everything and there's so many different types of people like it, it's, oh yeah it's never limited and i love that shit like i it's one of the, uh, my own, I studied philosophy when I was in college and my own personal philosophies that I always kind of stand by is everybody in the world knows something you don't. And I want to know what that is. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, um, I, I love being able to engage in conversation with all different types of people and like being able to talk to people and shit. Like that's why, yeah. like not disconnecting from like conservative friends or like conservative people, you know, yeah. or whatever. That is something that, like, you know, I, I definitely agree with in those face-to-face conversations. I think those conversations are so important because it's really hard for somebody to look you directly in the eye and tell you why they hate people of color. Right. It, it's a hard thing for somebody to do. It's the reason why I don't engage on, like, Facebook, and I'm not going to fucking deal with that shit because mm-hmm. nobody's going to listen on that and i'm i'm not i'm not going to waste my energy on it yeah it's just draining but in a face-to-face conversation people are going to have a harder time getting that fucking racist you yeah know? so you and it's a lot easier to check them when you're sitting right in front of them talking to them with a calm voice and all they can do is get angry and you just keep questioning them and talking to them and they they're eventually going to ride themselves into a fucking corner. You don't have to do that much. Yeah. But well yeah, all of the aspects. there's so much circular reasoning and and uh and a lot of the these types of ideas mm-hmm. where we just have to believe this. And so it's this desperate like clinging to uh uh these ideas that that are just failing, you know. And yeah it's a like like that meme i told you about and then it's my mom is uh, very conservative uh she's come a long way but she just uh you know has been uh uh posting things uh about the black lives matter movement and all of the stuff that are just complete horseshit and it's yeah. like you know and and then and people come on you know yeah i heard that on the news today and 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 i'm like what news are you watching on oh, never mind it's oan or something you know yeah it's just this 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 echo chamber right of these ideas and it's like no you know brianna taylor was not a fucking drug dealer i don't know where you got that information but you know what i mean like there's just so much and 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 there is some nuance to that and that she her ex was a drug dealer right Mm -hmm. but that conversation that nuanced conversation isn't Mm -hmm. happening it's all these huge statements like 
you know, this is the truth, you know, and then, you know, and, and they're just going to run with it, even though it's like you you can you can fact check that, you know. Yeah. And let you, alone, can, you don't have to be wrong, let alone just the number of white people doing the exact same shit who are just getting away scot free. There are plenty of white drug dealers and drug users who do not get affected nearly as much as yeah. black people who do such things because they are policing these areas. Like they, they yeah. constantly look like surveilling and like stop and frisk and all this shit. They will find any reason to pull you over. I remember um, there was a, an interview by a, a former uh, Baltimore cop, uh, Michael Wood Jr. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's talked so. a lot about the issues of policing and things like that because he was a former Marine turned Baltimore police officer. So he had a lot, of you know actual de-escalation training just from his marines background so he was actually like you know the guy who didn't fuck up and he got in trouble for that sometimes like he actually got in trouble for not having too many arrests one time because he didn't meet his quota his like sergeant had to basically make the argument like oh but like this is good like he's reducing crime whatever but he almost got in trouble for that shit but he was talking like in an interview um after he retired one time about how like it's impossible to actually drive completely legally. If you are followed for long enough, you will do something illegal, whether it is crossing the line that oh. is illegal. If, if you cross the yellow line, that's illegal, so they can pull you over for that. Even if it's just a little bit, if you get on that line, they can pull you over. If you change lanes without a turn signal, obviously that's a pull you over. But if you, can, if you change lanes with your turn signal on, but you turn it off before you are completely in that second lane, they can pull you over for that. Wow. Yeah. I, I never I never realized that. Yeah. I mean, so, and that's like, one of those things that I wouldn't ever need to realize because no. because I'm not getting pulled over for that shit because like, I'm not. The only reason they would do that is, is is a bullshit reason to pull you over. Yeah. Because usually it's quotas or like, you know, they're trying like a lot. A big reason for it is quotas um, because, you know, they want to, you know, rack up numbers and things like that. Yeah. Uh, another big reason is overtime for cops, actually. A lot of times they will do these things towards the end of their shift. So that way, say they pull somebody over for crossing the line. Oh, well, now we've also got you for this arrest warrant that you have. So we're going to now book you for the next two hours because that's a process. And now they got overtime pay. Yeah. Okay. So they, they, they'll do that. And then um, the other big issue is obviously private prisons because they actually have percentage quotas as well in which the state signs a contract to these private prisons saying that they have to keep like an 85 percent like um uh rate of like population in these prisons essentially so if it gets below that pop like that number um uh, which i don't quote me on the 85 percent, but like you know something like along those lines but like essentially if it gets below their quota number the state has to pay a fine or a fee to that corporation like CCA like the private prison corporation essentially so they that that's another reason why they rack up these charges and things like that is because they have to have prison numbers high because of their contracts yeah that's 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 nuts man there's a, there's so many so many issues and it's it's crazy like the the breadth of issues that that we're dealing with in America mm. and how much of them are based on very old racism you know i mean it's uh it's one of those things that uh it never 
went away in this country. Right, we never right. addressed the problem. So, like, if if you never address the full issue, it's it's gonna come back around. If yeah. you're only fixing symptoms here and there, the 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 virus will always come back. You know, so that that that's really the big issue is we've never actually fixed the virus in this country. Yeah, like we we we've only ever resolved symptoms. That's why technically, you know, black people had the right to vote in the 1860 law. Like they, you know, that gave them freedom. Essentially, the the Selma walk wasn't like their march to vote. That was a march to protect themselves from to vote. Because essentially, when they would go out to vote, you get your ass kicked. Yeah, or you get killed. So that was their way of being like, we will stay together and protect each other in like protection in large numbers. We are all here in this large group so they cannot do anything to us and we will all go and vote. That's something that people don't think about is like all of Jim Crow. Technically, there was there was rights for people of color. Just just not just not ones you'd want. <laughs> Like, just they didn't actually follow through on the things, you know? Yeah. Like, and, man, like, there's so many issues of these things that lead to the issues of today as well. Like, I mean, the wealth gap as well comes a lot from the fact that most European immigrants, not only did they have no regulations on their immigration movement, there was no, like, you had to be college graduate or anything like that, but they also offered free land between, like, 1880 and 1950 like 10 or some shit like that in the west they just gave away free land to white settlers but that opportunity was not offered to the free black slaves you know and that is i mean that's a huge part of the entire fucking problem that we have Mm -hmm. because this 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 idea that that white a lot of white people have about reparations being uh, ancestors that's their ancestors it's like no dude it's this this curse that's been going down the chain this entire time because mm-hmm. we we have like after slavery ended we just continued fucking these people with redlining with yep. with drug laws with like ridiculous ridiculous treatment in the in all in all of these ways and when the slaves were free they had no fucking money they had nothing and all of these people these plantation owners that were fucking filthy rich based on their free goddamn labor they should mm-hmm. have been paying them the whole time. There should have been some wealth transfer there. That's some yep. bullshit, man. And and it took me a while to realize that because I was your typical, you know, country-raised white dude. But, man, it, it is shockingly obvious that that problem has persisted and persisted and persisted. Yeah. We built the fucking black ghettos mm-hmm. for them. Yep. Like, we designed them. Like, white people fucking said, they're going to live here. We don't want them in our neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, segregation by design still affects us today. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's why the fact that school funding is based off property taxes is a huge issue as well. Like, this is continuing the disparities. Like, that's uh-huh. it's clearly on purpose. Yeah. I think another huge issue that um, people don't really consider too much, like, I, I really, this notion that, you know, Europeans or British, they always want to act like racism isn't a factor in that part of the world or in their part of the world, you know, I think a a huge reasoning for that is the fact that they abolished slavery like 50 years prior to America, as I'm sure you know. But the one thing that I think is always funny is like, you know, they actually did do reparations when they abolished slavery. They just gave reparations to the white slave owners. What the fuck, dude? This is, you mean, 
basically what you're saying is they paid them back for the for the slaves that yeah, they freed. Yeah, it was a it was a classic um, you know, uh, bailout situation that you would see today of like, oh, you you lost uh, some profits, so here, we're going to give you some money back. Oh, you lost your free labor, so here, take this free fucking money instead. Instead of, you know, paying the fucking people you had enslaved yeah. for generations. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. There's definitely racism, and you know, all over the world, right? Oh, but for sure. I, I guess there's just like it seems like there's just this kind of special class of racism in the United States that is just uh, so. Uh, I mean, I I I, I want to say potent, maybe. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think that's a good word for it. I think um, it's it's. It, it, I mean, we're we're really the only country that stripped the identities of all of these people. You know, like we turned enslavement into a business and stripped them of all sense of self. And a great point made, I think, by uh, Jane Elliott, who's uh, an old civil rights activist. They didn't take the dumbest or like the least or the laziest. They took the smartest and the brightest and they turned them into slaves and told them that they were the lowest. Mm. That's what they did. They systematically destroyed mm. a whole group of people, man. Like it's it's a it's a whole other factor than just than the whole like, you know, enslaving for for conquest. Like that's that and like that's just what they did to a degree as well cuz they stole all their fucking materials and and um fucking uh, resources off their land it's the reason why biggest exports out of sierra leone is gold and diamond yet they have the lowest gdp of the world explain that to me oh wow i man i want to i want to read about that that's that's crazy yeah how could that be it's because they don't own that shit the fucking europeans do it's the same reason um have you heard of the kohinoor diamond no, I don't think so. So the Kohinoor diamond is the diamond at the center of the crown of England, right? That big-ass motherfucking diamond. When you look up that crown, there's a big-ass diamond in the middle of that shit. That diamond literally belongs to India. No it, shit. It, that is why it's called the Kohinoor diamond. It belongs to India. It belonged to an old kingdom of India. And India pretty much ceremoniously every like 10 years ask for it back or some shit like that and they just don't they will never give that back it's just sitting on their mother fucking crown that's wild man i, I there's there's so much shit i don't know about <laughs> that is i that's fucking weird man yeah dude like how 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 do you do that like and like this whole idea of like oh looting is bad looting is bad um y'all looted an entire country's fucking gdp and then put it on your crown like what the fuck are you talking about yeah <laughs> like this is this is like something and let alone the looting of this entire country like uh native americans should have just passed some laws against fucking white immigration i guess huh <laughs> nip that in the bud yeah that's that's always how uh how that goes you know yeah well uh, man I have got a new storyteller segment I'm doing. Yeah. Um, you want you want to hear a story? Sure. Let's go. All man. right. Let's do it. Yeah, I got Tony Casa here to share with us. 
<laughs> so there I was. So there I was. So there I was. So there I was. There I was. So 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 when Bunbury first started, they were fresh, you know, wet behind the ears, and they were taking any and all comers, you know. So when it came to the local bands, we were fortunate enough to have some bands from Columbus come down there as well as some bands that my band has played with uh, from Pittsburgh. So my buddy Nick Neary, who now uh, does like music videos for NFL and Slipknot and stuff like that, he was uh, telling us, you know, I need a writer to come down to Bunbury in Cincinnati to cover this band that you've played with called Pet Clinic. And Pet Clinic was from PA, and they were going to be down there. And I said, well, you know, I know another band down there playing called the Shaw Brothers with Andy and uh, his brother uh, Chris. And uh, they're from Columbus, know them. And so if we can get a good writer to come down there and cover this, great. But I didn't know anybody who worked with the press. I just knew a guy who had happened to write like a one-skit play one time. And he was a huge asshole. He was, is, you know, a huge asshole. His name's Alex Thomas. He's one of my better friends, and he is a... Uh, He's a monster piece of shit. Like this guy, <laughs> if I'm the devil, then, you know, I can't even, I can't even say what this guy is. But the point is he says, you know, I can do this. I can do the job. So I get him the tickets and then they uh, got me another ticket as well to come with him. So now me and Alex are going down to Bunbury for the weekend to cover these two bands, uh, which were playing on Friday night on the local stage. It was Shaw Brothers and Pet Clinic. And we took that and ran with it. So all we did was we packed his car up. We had a, a change of clothes. We had a bottle of water between the two of us and uh, a, a, a big mess of drugs and things, you know, like a bunch of pot and like a bunch of acid and stuff like that. And so we figured, all right, we're going to spend the weekend down in Cincinnati watching all these bands. We'll interview these two bands on Friday, and then the rest of the weekend we'll just uh, hang out. And it turns out that first day we only got passes for day one. And it was just for the local stage. So we couldn't go anywhere else. It was just like, hey, you're here to do a job. Do the job. Leave as as you should, you know, as like a professional was. But we were lying about this whole thing. You know, we were lying from the get-go, which which tears me apart to, to lie to, uh, you know, Andy and Chris Shaw, you know, and, and to my brother band, The Pet Clinic. But we wanted to go to a concert. <laughs> and I knew Alex was a good writer. He would write something nice, you know, uh, maybe not nice in the sense of like polite because he hates musicians, but nice in the sense of good writing. And in the end, we get down there. We do the interviews with these folks and it was all fine and dandy, especially because they were giving us free beer and free Red Bull, free water, free food, that type of stuff backstage. And we very much took advantage of all of that. You know, we were binging hard to the point where everybody was uncomfortable with our excess. So by the end of it, you know, we had drunken so much, um, we were getting a little ballsy. We started to eat a little bit of that acid, you know, and we decide uh, we're going to go ahead and go out and uh, interview some other bands. We quickly realized that that was not the case because we got shut down at every other stage because we'd walk back there like, hey, we're with the local stage. Can we interview, uh, you know, this next major worldwide touring artist? And they're like, no, you're not supposed to be here. Get the fuck out of here. And we're like, okay, that's fine. Then we'd steal a couple beers and leave. And that, that was all great. But eventually, you know, that acid kicks in. And so we start getting a little theatrical because like 
Sammy Dodge or like Alex Thomas. You know, I'm into theater. I like to play a character. I like to play the role. So now we're bouncing off of each other. We're playing good cop, bad cop now. Where Alex is the guy who's fed up with the whole situation. He's the guy with the press who's just there to get the story, get the fuck out, get back to his hotel room so we can go to sleep. And I'm the guy who's trying to quell everybody's problems. I'm like, this is fine. It's okay. Don't worry. We're going to work this out. And we took that shtick stage, stage to stage, and we started sneaking backstage. And it was very easy at that point because Alex was so good in his character of like playing this angry guy where he would show up and start screaming immediately at whoever was back a house, screaming so loud that you could hear it over the monitors booming out into the audience, going, I don't give a fuck who this band is. I don't give a fuck where they're going or what they're doing next. I just got to get the goddamn questions answered so I can go to the next goddamn band. It's fucking hot out here. This is awful. I'm not having a good time. Are you having a good time? Are you having fun right now? Get me back there so I can get my job done and get the fuck out of here. You know, And I'm just going... Sorry, guys, it's been a long day. You know, he's he's very heated. It's it's very hot outside. You know, we've had, a, you know, you know how it is with press. You know, we, we we all get it. You get it. I get it. We get it. So just help me help you help him help you. And so eventually these people just took to it real quick. Like, so they decided they would just let us backstage interview these bands. And we'd interview the likes of uh, Weezer and well, no, not, no, no, no. Sorry. Weezer, we got kicked out of pretty, pretty immediately. You know, um, they were like, what are you doing by Weezer's gear? And we're like, don't worry, we're with it. And they're like, no, nah, get the fuck out. Sent us out. And then we did Jane's Addiction. Then we actually talked to a security guard after that. We went outside the venue to uh, go score some other recreational stuff, you know, and uh, get some cheaper drinks at a bar nearby versus paying $10 for a tiny beer inside or, or trying to get a free one from backstage. So we go out. We meet a girl who was working at the fence. He was letting all the buses in. All the big bands, you know, rolling in, all the major touring artists. And she's dancing. She's doing the P dance. And so we walk up to her. She sees our little local badges. And she frantically says, do you guys work here? To which, obviously, Alex responds, yes, we're in complete control of, you know, we're the heads of this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, you know, she goes, all right, well, do you mind holding my clipboard and my walkie-talkie and uh, making sure that the major artists come in and nobody else? Because no cars can park here. It's just for tour buses, you know. This is for the Weezer tour bus or whatever, you know, the Jaguar, blah, blah, blah. I took the clipboard. Alex takes the radio and immediately starts talking on the radio. I'm talking to a cop nearby who I'm like, all right, well, if we're playing the part, we're playing the part. So now I'm security. Now I'm talking to the cops. They're telling me some story about some person who died in their house in Cincinnati and was eaten by their dogs. And I'm like, all right, well, this is a good time. You know, yeah, she's peeing. I'm hearing a good story. Alex is doing God knows what with that walkie talkie. And I find out later he's getting on the walkie-talkie and radioing everybody in security, everybody at all the stages going, you know, he's reading off the map, you know, local stage, stage A, stage B, stage Z, blah, 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 uh, security, everybody all heads up. Rivers Cuomo is missing. And he's saying, you know, these, he's real messed up. Uh, and, and this is what he's wearing. He's lost his glasses, so he doesn't necessarily know what's going on. Heads up, he's out there. He doesn't have his pass on him, so just be wary. This is what he's wearing, and he goes on to describe exactly what he is wearing. So that way he can be misconstrued because he kind of looks like Rivers Cuomo. So now we cheat our way back into the festival. And we cheated our way into all that. The whole weekend, you know, we we, we were we only got a one-day pass, but the whole weekend we were doing that. We stayed there the entire three days to the point to where the guy who was throwing the festival was driving up on his golf cart to give us tickets. We were making friends with the cops at all the doors. Hey, we're the press. Have a slice of the sandwich. You know, you give a free sandwich out and you get friendly. And it was all great. And, and, it, and we even did an interview with Imagine Dragons before they got real hot, you know. And 
And it was one of the funniest damn things because they're sitting there saying things like, you know, well, who are you with? And we're like, we're with the Enabler, which was this made up magazine that Nick Neary and Alex Thomas and I came up with because it was enabling us to have a good time. You know, it was enabling us to steal their beer. It was enabling us to talk to these people that we wanted to talk to anyways. And, you know, with the, one of the Columbus acts was RGD2. And I remember that was the first stage that we snuck onto. And so we're on the stage after set. We're trying to talk to him like, hey, can we get a couple answers? He's not, he doesn't want to talk to us. He's very busy sorting through his crates. And we're like, all right, this is kind of a lost cause. It's not working. But then when we went to talk to Imagine Dragons, he yelled so much that we got backstage past everybody in the press line. Past everybody with a VIP badge, everybody with the New York Times badge, all that shit. Forget it. We were so demanding. I should say Alex was so demanding that we got through first because they're like, hey, we got to get these guys knocked out because they're covering the whole event, not just this band. Because that's what we kept saying. We're not here to just cover Imagine the fucking Flamingos or something Dragon, Game of Thrones, whatever this band is, you know. So we do the interview with them, you know, they're they're answering the questions. And Neary's with us because the whole time Neary thought that we were just so high on acid that we were making all this up. So now he's filming and getting audio. So there's like footage of all this shit that, that these stories that I'm telling. He ends up filming whatever. And he's our film guy and Alex is interviewing and I'm doing this and that. And we're asking him questions like who would win in a fight out of all the band members? Who gets the, you know, laid the most? Very unorthodox stuff. Who, who, what, what your, what's the first thing you've ever stolen? And then at one point, the guys in Imagine Dragons actually looked at each other and said, uh, you know, wait, what magazine is this again? We go, The Enabler. And one guy goes, one of the members goes, oh, I've never heard of that. And me and Alex just laugh in his face for like a solid minute. And then all the other band members start laughing at him too, going, dude, yeah, you haven't heard, you don't know. So, so they're just like sheeping it up, right? And then by the end of the night, you know, we'd collected enough contacts to where we could make a real actual paper, you know, a real actual uh, podcast, a real actual video cast. We had all this content, you know, and then by, you know, we went out to celebrate by going to a, a club in Cincinnati where it was an after-hours party where one of the uh, DJs, she put us on the guest list, and her dad was her manager. And, you know, we, we talked with him at the festival, talked with her. It was great. We show up at this club after hours. We're like, hey, we're on the list, you know. And the, and the doorman's like, uh-uh, my man, no, you're not coming in. And we're like, no, we're on the list. We're on the list. You know, check with the manager. Manager comes out, says, yeah, no, they're, they're on the list. They're good. They're good. They're with the enabler. You know, they're with the enabler. They're the press. And then, you know, he says to me, yeah, that's fine, but we have a dress code here. And Alex, as much of an asshole as he is, he's always very well-dressed. He's a super handsome, charming man. With me, I'm like, I'm me. You know, I'm wearing flip-flops and I'm sweating. You know, I, I got a swimsuit on. It's embarrassing. So I, uh, they wouldn't let me in. So I ended up going to this pizza place next door. And while I'm in there eating pizza next door, like, fuck this place. Fuck these people. I'm not sacrificing comfort for conformable, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm leaving. You know, I find a pizza place with some booze. I'm like, this is me. It's me and Nick Nearer sitting there eating pizza. And this band walks in and sits down with us because we give them a little nod because we're wearing our badges. They're wearing their, their you know, their uh, stage badges. Ends up being group love. So we end up sitting out in group love eating pizza. Meanwhile, Alex is getting thrown out of that club because he was doing cocaine with the Cincinnati Reds. And he's so he, he's, he's so into living in the moment and finding a way to cheat the system that he doesn't care to cover his grounds as much as he should. He just goes, right? So he ends up telling all these members of the Cincinnati Reds who he's doing coke with and drinking champagne with fucking sparklers in the glass and all this because they're at the DJ table, you know? The woman who's fucking headlining this club He's at her table. And so that's where all the Reds are going. That's the VIP. 
And then uh, at the end, you know, they, <laughs> they kicked him out because he goes up to one of these guys at the table and says, hey, man, can I get another line? Can I get another line? And uh, they're like, yeah, man, but, you know, this is kind of a Reds thing. And he's like, yeah, great game today, by the way. Big win for the boys. You know, I'm real proud of you guys. And they lost that day. So he, he didn't even look into it. And it turns out the guy he was talking to was one of the team players, like one of the team members. <laughs> they throw his ass out. Point is, the enabler enabled us to have a lot of good times. And uh, I think we should publish that content sometimes. <laughs> My friend Tony Casa is the lead singer of Zoo Trippin'. You can find them at ZooTrippin.com, Spotify, Apple Music, all the places you find your music. And don't forget to check out Free Sandwich Productions. Find out about some cool shows. There's usually free sandwiches involved. So follow them on Facebook and Twitter and all of the places you get your information about shows and whatnot. Tony is a fucking madman. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... <laughs> It's always great, man. I I swear, like swagger and confidence, man. That's all it takes to to get into anywhere. You said you had a dance background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know that you were a dancer. Yeah, that is also to a degree where the pants come from. The pants that I'm wearing are like what you may consider hammer pants or <laughs> Aladdin pants. Um, they are essentially from, you know, our part of the world, like India, uh, well, like Punjab in that region, as well as certain parts of like Arabia, they have certain style pants that are similar to this as well. Normally, like I would have like these like crazy, like when I was doing dance and shit, we would have like these really crazy, like sparkly, like silk ones and shit like that, that are thick and heavy meant for, you know, the stage and stuff. But I had some custom made in cotton so I can wear them casually. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so the first time I ever actually performed in front of a crowd uh, was, like, when I was, like, five years old. I mean, I was actually on two different competitive dance teams in college as well at OSU. Like, before I uh, failed out, <laughs> I, uh, I was on two different dance teams there. I was huh. on uh, one dance team my freshman year that was called OSU Nusha, which was, like, a Bollywood fusion, like, well, both of them are Bollywood fusion uh, dance teams, but that one was a co-ed dance team. The whole thing would be, like, we would do, like, Bollywood stories and shit like that, or, like, stories in general in our dance, so we would have a few moments sometimes in between songs to kind of story-building moments, and then, like, the song or dance that we would do would be, like, a representation of the moment that we were building in the story. My second year, I was on an all-girls dance team called Buckeye Fusion, in which I was the only guy for that year because they were doing Mulan as, like, their story. I was playing all of the, the girls on the team were essentially Mulan pretending to be boys in the army, and I was General Shang or, like, uh, like Commander Shang or whatever. And so I, like, was the only actual guy, you know, because they were all being Mulan. As, as like the collective they kind of represented Mulan or whatever yeah. and so like yeah we told that story and yeah it was it was a lot of fun like it was interesting what we got to travel and go to different uh universities and compete and stuff and hang out with the dance kids of like whatever at schools who came in and shit we would always have after parties and stuff so we'd always get to hang out and do that it was always a good time oh yeah yeah are you still active in that community then uh no 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 not really um, Yeah. like uh i I don't, I don't know, man. It's almost like a, a cliche to a degree. Like uh, I feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm like a dance movie waiting to have happen. Like I've retired young, so one day a judge is gonna sentence me to have to, having to coach some, some little kids dance troupe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh my god! I, like, let's make that movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, no. So like, I I still do some stuff. There was a moment last year after an open mic where I'm at Bossy Girls where there was a uh, drag show, and the host of the drag show she started off the show. Um, and like we all kind of like a couple of stuck around, like we were just having some drinks, whatever. And like, so she started off the show being like, All right, we're gonna do a lip sync battle of like gays versus straights. And she said, I like, and she was gonna represent like the gay part, and she was gonna pick somebody out of the audience to represent the straight side of that competition. And she walked up and down the audience, and I was at the bar, so she walked past me, walked back, and decided yep you're the guy you're gonna be the guy to represent the straight side which is already inaccurate (laughs) (laughs) but um and so she like pulled me up on stage and i'm like all right i guess we're gonna do this so it's gonna be a lip sync battle we're gonna dance do a lip sync battle and you know we're gonna start with the the straight goes first or whatever and so i just toss off my jacket you know put that stuff aside and just go at it and everyone is just like, what the fuck just happened? We did not <laughs> we did not expect that at all. It was a three-round thing, right? So I had to do three songs, like, out of nowhere. Like, I literally did not plan on dancing or doing anything. It's like, but out of nowhere, I'm doing three dances now. <laughs> that is just amazing. <laughs> Uh, by the by, the third song, my hair is tied back. I've taken everything out of my pockets. Is like, like, and I'm just like moving, like my, I'm like on my knees, like doing like t- like turns and twists and shit, like body rolling and all this crazy shit. And everyone's just so confused, like, what the fuck is happening? Everyone just cheering, like, oh my god. And then after it, like competition thing is over, it was like in her recording, she had the straight side winning because like the patriarchy always wins kind of deal, kind of <laughs> joke. And it was funny, but a lot of people asked like, wait, were you a plant? People kept asking like, were you a plant? After like she finished, she just like grabbed them like, who are you? She's <laughs> like, I, uh, we can, we'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> uh, man, it was so funny. Yeah, it's something people don't expect. Like you don't expect the six foot, two hundred pound dude with you know long hair and a beard to, to all of a sudden start body rolling and booty shaking. Like it's not, it's not what you expect. I never, I never, <laughs> I, I never thought of. It was just like never occurred to me at all that you might be a dancer. I'm, I don't know yeah. if that's a bad thing or if it doesn't matter. But like, no, it, I wouldn't say it matters. <laughs> so when you said that, when you said what you said exactly was extensive, yeah, <laughs> dance background, and I was like. Huh? Like, yeah, wow. <laughs> I've been formally trained in several forms of dance. Oh my! As gosh. well as informally trained and in even more. So I was formally trained as a kid in ballet and tap and certain classical Indian stuff, and then as I got older, me and my sisters we did a lot of dances together. So we taught ourselves hip hop and contemporary and all this stuff. And then in college, I took a break dancing class as well. I also took a salsa class at one point in high school. And then I've uh, also done some ballroom classes as well. So I've been training that. Yeah. So, th- th- yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I've, I've done quite yeah. a few different things. Yeah. Like, so nightclubs must be like a nightmare for you. <laughs> that isn't yeah. dancing! <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I remember when I did go to nightclubs, though, like when I was like 18 to 20, I was the kid who would go to the dance circles i don't know if you ever saw those dance circles there would be those oh, yeah. crazy hip-hop dancers who would just make a circle and they would go nuts right 
that's where I would hang out. If I was ever in a club, if I'm going to be around the dancing shit, unless I'm there with a girl, because then, you know, things change. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you know, blood is in a different place of thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that that's a different matter. But like when I'm just there, like with friends or whatever, they will like immediately lose me because they're like, where do you go? Because I'm going to I'm I'm not going to really hang out that much. I'm going to go fucking do that shit. I'm going to go hang out with the break dancers and fucking yeah. kick it. I'm going to suck compared to them, but I will hang out with them any day than fucking deal with the other shit. <laughs> yeah. You said it was a kind of a family thing? Yeah, no, for sure. Like um I would say it's a pretty Indian thing to a degree. Is that right? Every every Indian person I know has done some or desi thing. Like I don't know if you know what the term desi means. Mm -mm. It's a colloquial term that we use to refer to the region of Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, and Sri Lanka, and Kashmir as well, if you want to count that separately. But yeah, people from that region, Desi, it's just kind of like a general term for all, like all of us because we have a lot of cultural similarities, even though there is, you know, obviously many subsections you can go into between that. So that is like the general term we use. Pretty much every like Desi kid I know knew growing up, like we all danced at some point. Either there's a lot of kids who were like, oh, I don't dance. Like by the time they got to like middle school and high school. Yeah. Every time some girl sweet 16 came around, they were doing a dance. <laughs> it, it was just something that we always did, man. Yeah. Like I've I've been performing, like I said, since I was five, like in front of an audience, you know, like it, we we would just always do shit like that. That was just so common. It's It's probably still going on today. I mean. All the, like, the dance things that we were in in college, they were specific Indian dance groups, essentially. And we would have competitions against other Indian dance groups. And there would be, like, major competitions, things that you could win, like, a lot of money in as well. Oh, wow. And all these things. It, it was a whole thing. Like, you, you would get paid to a certain degree for doing these things. Yeah, it was a, it was a super common process. That is so fascinating, and I love uh, I love things like that. Learning about these like these little idiosyncrasies of a certain culture that you never realize. Yeah, this is something I noticed when I was in Colombia a few years back. I took a little backpacking trip down there with my buddy Luis. Okay. That's awesome. And we went out to some of the nightclubs and stuff, and it seemed like the dating there is so much more formulaic almost. But mm -hmm. like the biggest part of it was that you had to fucking know how to dance. Yeah, <laughs> like if you can't dance, you can't fuck. That's a big thing in a lot of the world, man. Like I, I, I think it's still it's a big thing here too. Like people, uh, obviously, you can fuck if you can't dance, but like to a degree, if you can dance, you have a much better chance. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, uh, uh, like it was a weird thing that I remember. Even I, I, I don't think I ever. No, that's not true. I definitely, pretty much like in high school and in college, any girl I dated or person, like it was always a dancer because I was a dancer. So like those are the people I hung out with. Yeah, that, that is pretty pervasive. It's one of those things that like, that was our community things. That was a different factor. But like, obviously that's not so much of a thing generally. But I mean, that's what clubs are here. Clubs are just, you know, a fucking bird mating season sort of deal of just people fucking doing their mating dance until they can fucking get some pussy like. yeah <laughs> that's why i love watching david attenborough when they have the birds trying to build the perfect thing so they yeah. can get laid you know? i i really like i remember the first time i did shrooms 
No, 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 the first time I did acid, I was at my cousin's place, and he, like, took me to the convenience store, like, you know, right over to the place, like, next to his place to, like, get some snacks and shit. And I just had this David Attenborough style of narration going on in my head, following him around, <laughs> treating him like he's a fucking animal, like on the hunt for his food. Yeah, yeah. Just being like, the male searches for consumption and like things like that. And then like, I just started imagining that like that same fucking voiceover when I go to bars and shit. Yeah. When I was like working as a bartender or as a bar back, I I, I would just have that thought of just like watching these people like the fucking mating rituals that it is <laughs> yeah it, i love thinking like that that's kind of a, 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 a one of my favorite rabbit holes to go down because i i feel like if people could just realize that we're all goddamn animals yeah you know we have certain advantages in in cognitive ability uh but we're just big dumb animals you know for sure people always want to ignore that factor it's so in your face all the time let's not act like it's different yeah so frustrating like when people want to say oh we're not animals we're different no we are literally african apes that's that is the literal genus family that we fall into yeah what are you fronting right now yeah isn't it like 99 percent the same dna as a chimpanzee yeah it's like 99.8 or some shit like that or like yeah like it's like some crazy ass shit like that right yeah like we're we're so we're we're more closely related to chimpanzees than we are Neanderthals. Is that right? Yeah, Neanderthals are our cousins. That's oh yeah. Yeah, they fall from chimps. A out of chimps came both Neanderthal and human. Uh no, it was a it was an even earlier um uh, ape ancestor. Oh, that that, wow. that split off. The earlier ape ancestors split off into chimpanzees, bonobos, and another thing, and then that other thing led to Neanderthals, and we kind of branched off from chimpanzees. Hmm. That's why we have that similar DNA. Right. We're essentially just uh, the next evolution of a chimpanzee. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, there's there's a there's a step in between there called the Australopithecus, I believe, was like first upright yeah. uh, ape. But like, yeah, it, it, yeah, that's getting into the whole thing. But like the the cavemen that are actually most closely related to us are, are the Cro Magnum. Uh, they were like the ones that are from like forty thousand years ago, like roughly. Like they were the the branch off of like. The Australopithecus and all that shit, like so, because like it went from yeah, so it, it varies like that. Yeah, it's, it's all weird, man. Like yeah, to follow it all, it's so frustrating when people say like uh, that we don't have the evidence though. Like you can look it up. Yeah. Like I remember like someone talking to me like we don't have evidence of an upright ape. Like actually, it's called the Australopithecus. We we do have evidence of it. That's why I know its name. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I tell you what though, I I was so. Uh, I don't I hate saying this because this word gets thrown around so much, but I felt like I was so brainwashed that I couldn't I had these beliefs like that I used to argue so much. I was really into a thing in Christian culture called apologetics. Mm. And yeah, so yeah. the idea is that you're arguing to defend all this shit. So I had all the arguments and I knew how to to attack evolution. Yeah, man. And I knew like all these different things. And then every once in a while somebody'd be like, Hey, actually, we gotta stop saying that. So that's one's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, but but we got a new one now. Right. You know? Yeah, like, we got a new argument. That's always the shit that always confounded me. It was just like, how how do you go from that? Like clearly y'all have been losing ground and just it's oh, yeah. just been incremental, oh, yeah. incremental, and like you keep wanting to fight these arguments. So like, oh, okay, we we realize this argument is not valid anymore, so we're gonna try it this way now. 
how about you just realize that the evidence is what it is it's so frustrating as well coming from i was raised um hindu i'm i'm an atheist now but like i was raised hindu and hinduism does not deny science evolution is actually a facet of hinduism there is evolution in the path of the gods like if you look at the 10 avatars of vishnu they're, they're the 10 reincarnations of like one of the main hindu gods it literally goes through the path of life it starts off with a single celled small organism and then it goes to a fish like an amphibian then it goes to a turtle then it goes to a warthog and then it goes to a lion and then it goes to a it, 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 he like builds his way up it literally goes through a fucking form of evolution to a degree it has all these paths of it and so it's just like it's it's always been a facet of the religion i was raised in i remember in high school my science teacher, my sophomore year, she like spent a day teaching evolution, going over that subject. And the next day, like we like came in for the lesson, or, you know, it was like class, whatever. And she's like, so I got in trouble for uh, teaching that. So we're going to have to skip that subject. And I'm like, the fuck? I know it was some kid who like told their, their parents what they were studying. And so the parents complained and then they had to fucking shut that shit down. And I'm just like, listen. I don't give a fuck what your fucking religion believes. My religion that I was raised on, that I actively believed at the time, did not fucking disagree with evolution. So why are you stopping me from learning my shit? This is science. This is something that is fucking facts. This has nothing to do with your religion. So why are you even interfering right now? Yeah. it's It was so frustrating. It's that ability to only see the world through one lens. Yeah. Everything has to make sense through this lens. And you're doing backflips to make it seem, you know, to try to make it make sense. And mm -hmm. it's it's just, uh, yeah. But the humility, though, that I think comes from knowing that you're a giant ape is <laughs> you can forgive yourself and get better. Exactly. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm a giant ape. And uh, we do stupid things, but we can get better. And, and I think that is uh, also another big factor that people, like, I, I hate the whole argument of, like, oh, well, evolution, then social Darwinism, strongest uh, uh, survive or whatever, like, survival of the first, whatever. Yeah. Like, nah, man, like, that's how evolution functions. But yeah. with our cognitive ability, we have the ability to be better. We yeah. have the ability to grow in a better way. Yeah. So that's where the cognition comes in, right? We, Like you said, we're, we're stupid monkeys. We're going to do stupid shit. It's the cognition that gives us the ability to be like, oh, fuck, that was wrong. I'm going to try to do better. Yeah. And not only am I going to try to do better, I will try to pass on better. You know, like the, the evolutionary meaning of the word meme is, yeah. is traits that are passed on yeah, yeah. over generations. From Dawkins. You know? Exactly, yeah. And I, I love the whole meme exactly, thing. Exactly, man. The whole concept of uh, how uh, it's evolution for thought is I, I was, a beautiful thing. Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about this earlier today about how like I wanted to write a bit about how anti-evolution people are spreading memes about anti-evolution using a form of evolution. Yeah, like, I, I, it's it's ridiculous. Like that's like because memes in in our own internet form, they are using the process of evolution yeah. for how they work. That is why the term meme got placed on them. Right. Because 
whatever meme becomes popular has now passed the trait of evolution and has been passed along. That's right. how memes work. And like, yeah. So people people don't recognize that like y'all are literally using a facet of evolution to try to deny evolution. Yeah. Like, y'all don't know what you're even doing. It's yeah, and obviously they've got the pro- the main problem in in that case is motivated reasoning. Yeah. So they have to believe a thing. They don't have an option not to. Like, you know. I would I wouldn't say that they don't have an option, it's that they don't see the option. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're like, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, man, that's always a th- it, it's always frustrating as well like when I talk to people who are Christian and things like that and I when I talk about my background go- growing up as a Hindu and seeing Christianity and aspects of Christianity and learning about it from the outside, you see the sides that affect you, right? So you're like, oh, they were actively for slavery and things like that. And it's just like, okay, so like this is this is why when they came over and you know, took the brown people. They're like, all right, y'all are gonna be slaves because they don't care. Like, they, you know, they this is th- this is considered property that was given to you by God. So, like, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Whereas m- a lot of indigenous religions and like Hinduism, like the aspect is cause the least harm. That is the number one rule. Just cause the least amount of harm. That is why, even though being a vegetarian is not necessarily a part of Hinduism. Many Hindus do and like tend to be vegetarian because that's that's something that falls into the factor of cause the least harm. Like if I don't if I don't have to hurt an animal, why would I? Yeah. I was raised a vegetarian. I'm six feet over two hundred pounds. Malnourishment has not been a factor here. Yeah. So like uh, got this. Yeah. So uh, I think we're doing just fine uh, without the meat. As an adult, I I believe in trying things and like uh, and experience. So like I've tried. A few various meats when i knew they were properly sourced and whatnot but like i and i'm also trained in hunting to a degree like i know how to use a bow and like you know skinning and shit like that i know the the i've had certain training and i know how do these techniques work but like i don't need to do them i am literally doing just fine without eating animals and without causing that harm so i don't need to we don't need to go down that road you know yeah it feels like there's a lot more of of that mentality in india where with the vegetarianism especially like maybe they eat meat like a couple times a week or something at most right yeah and well I mean, a lot of parts of India do eat meat. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, oh, no. I I don't, like, like, and, like, it's not even, like, just a couple times. Like, there are plenty of people who I I know growing up. It seems like it's a normal option, though, in India. Yes, yeah. It is a significantly more consistent option. Literally, the McDonald's in India, the number of vegetarian options that are healthy as fuck is insane. Really? insane man like no shit not only vegetarian options but actually healthy food that is no shit like that is like mcdonald's is a fancy place when you go to india man (laughs) like not like fancy fancy but like are they still throwing mick whatever into the names of them all I don't I don't remember that specifically, man. But probably I want to hear like I, a like, Mick and then something Indian. I, I have I have no doubt about it though. Like I 
I'm sure we could look up like McDonald's Here's the Mick Indian Samosa. menu. Like, yeah, no, I have I have no doubt about like some of the things being named in that style. I have no doubt about it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, so like, the, like, literally, like they would have good options, you know, like. And when I say like nice place, I mean like like a cafe. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like, like fucking going to like a like a, a Starbucks. Yeah, or something. yeah. It's, but it's insane. You're just like, what the fuck is going on here, man? Like. What? Why? Why can't we have this here? Like, why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even if y'all don't want to do the Indian versions, like at least just the vegetarian options. Like, shit, stop cooking your fries and beef oil. Like, do something. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you know the the fact that 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 is like that there really says a lot about that. Yeah, right. Like that is amazing. It would take a lot of market force to get McDonald's to change their entire menu design, right? I mean, I don't even think they would have to like. You wouldn't have to change your menu design. You would just have to introduce 10 vegetarian options and you would just up your quota of customers by so much. Because people are lazy. This is America. People are going to be lazy. Even if they're vegetarians, they're lazy. Yeah. So if they have the option to get vegetarian food from a fast food place, they will. That's why Taco Bell is big with Indians because they always had vegetarian options since the 80s. Because every fucking item on Taco Bell's menu Whatever you see on it, whatever meat you see on it, sub beans. And that's now it's vegetarian. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So we would do that all the goddamn time. That's why I basically, like, the fast food restaurant that I grew up on wasn't McDonald's. It was Taco Bell. And, like, that's that's how that ended up happening. And also because in the early 80s and things like that, before Indian restaurants really started to pop off, that was the only option for Indian people and, like, Asian people to get, like, spices was Mexican food. Oh, wow. Yeah, because we like our spices, man. Mexican food was our only other option that has spices like we do, you know? Huh. At yeah. least back then. Like, you know, obviously now, like, there's plenty of options. But, like, back then your options were Italian and that's it. <laughs> the different kind of spice. Yeah. The Italian that's controlled by the mafia or the Italian that's controlled by the small family. That's, that's your f- two options for restaurants. <laughs> I feel like I don't really have like any sort of distinct culture i'm jealous of like italians and i'm gonna you know what i mean and fucking germans and all, like all the other white people there are people there are white people that have culture and i'm like where's mine it's one of those things that is definitely like weird because like uh, the american culture has very limited things and all of their things kind of come from somewhere else yeah it is like, it's super weird yeah so like it's 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 really weird to like like I, it's like you know the classic joke of like oh yeah good old american food and they're eating chinese you know yeah and which is actually pretty accurate because if yeah. you try to serve that chinese food in china they're like what the fuck is this yeah for real <laughs> there's a there's a famous like a uh, restaurant who um like owner who tried to market an american chinese restaurant in china <laughs> and uh <laughs> so like no, are you kidding me this, uh, he actually was doing it yeah, yeah, yeah. and um it didn't go over too well at the beginning, but he rebranded and just called it American food. He didn't even call it Chinese. <laughs> just straight up called it American food, and then they all fucking came in and loved it. Like, yeah. He just he was just like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. This isn't American Chinese food. No, no, This is just American food. And then, like, and then they're all like, oh, yeah, let's go to the American restaurant. Yeah. And it's just what we consider Chinese food. They're like, oh, no, that's just American food. <laughs> That's so funny, because I think I could see it being the case where maybe they were offended that it was being called Chinese. 
And so they're like, that's not, yeah, what the fuck is this? But So that would be less offensive when it's just American. But then I could also see it conversely. There's a fascination with America, like in, in certain countries, right? Oh, I mean... Pretty much everywhere. It, it's it's insane to me how how much Asian countries still look up to America as like quality. You, did you watch Parasite at all? No. The South Korean movie or whatever that was like the Oscar winning movie. I've I've heard about yeah. it. I haven't seen it. I don't watch a ton of movies yeah. though. No, that's fair, man. It, it's definitely worth checking out. All right. If if you ever get a chance, it's on Hulu. Uh, oh, I don't cool. Have that, but uh, yeah, I do. yeah, I yeah. Do. But uh, there's like a one-off joke, you know, kind of in in the movie where like the dad asks about this like thing that they got for their son. Oh, is it okay? And she and like the mom just like, oh, it's from America, so it should be quality. And just like we all know in our head, like man, we all get our shit from you guys. Like, <laughs> not, <laughs> nothing we get of quality comes from us. And if it yeah. if it is made in America, it was made by prisoners. Like let's be real here. Yeah. If it says made in America, Idaho potatoes harvested by prisoners grown and harvested by prisoners <laughs> yeesh uh so like that that's that's what made in america means so it's just like mm, uh, yeah that's not the quality you think <laughs> this this is why it kills me when people like freak out about american uh cars and motorcycles and shit mm-hmm. it drives me off the fucking wall because honda's is like in marysville motherfucker yeah. what are you talking about so many people in the city are employed by Honda. Shut the fuck yeah. up. Oh, but some high, high up person lives in, in Japan or whatever. So yeah. that's the reason. Like what? We live in a global economy. Y'all created this system. Learn how to handle it. Like, y- yeah, there's, you should have certain controls over things. Like, I agree. You we shouldn't get pissed off too much at Honda and things like that because they have plants here. Things are being made here. We should be getting pissed off at corporations who either use child or forced labor in those parts of the world like China and South Korea and things like that where they have, you know, the whole old iPhone fucking factory. I don't know if you ever uh, saw the whole thing about the old iPhone factories having the suicide nets the and nets, shit like yeah. that. And, like, people always want to talk about those things. If we're going to talk about that, we also have to talk about the fact that a lot of corporations who are doing made in America stuff are doing the exact same thing to American citizens. That's what prison labor has become. If you are getting paid 50 cents an hour and you're working 14-hour days, we've got a problem here. This is the same issue of sweatshops in that part of the world, and we have it going on here. Let's not act like we don't. If we're going to address that issue, we should also be talking about our issue as well. You know, is that from the uh, that that 13th show you were talking about? Uh, yeah, there was uh, was a reference in that documentary. That was something that I, I yeah. was already aware of as well. Like just like that. That's how because um, like the, I got to check prisons work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely worth checking out. A- Ava DuVernay is an amazing director. She also was the director of Selma. Yeah. Um, and uh, she did uh, When They See Us. It was like a Netflix uh, limited series about uh, the Central Park Five. So, yeah, like in, in like, yeah, basically it's one of the things that like I've kind of studied on like the private prison issue in general is like how they exploit labor, you know, and that that's one of the main things they do is they have contracts with corporations to to make shit. That's how that works. That's wild. Pretty much any time you see something made in America, that was probably made by a prisoner. And again, not to say that their labor isn't good. It's that we're exploiting that labor. You know, right. like that's really the issue. Like, obviously, you know, people who are in prison deserve work and deserve the, the, the opportunity to like be able to have a job and things like that. And even to have a job in prison, getting paid 50 cents an hour 
Like that's ridiculous. And in a lot of these private prisons, they essentially charge rent. Oh my gosh. That's that's a, that's an actual thing. Like they they charge you for your stay at the fucking prison. And some of them can charge like $100 a day or some shit. So you're getting charged $100 a day to fucking stay in the prison. Wait. I, I, I don't understand that. They know this person doesn't have money. Yep. Yep. Or that they don't have jobs or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this was actually uh, touched on in that old Vice Prison documentary like that featured Obama and everything. Like when Obama first went on his like uh, tour of prisons and everything. Because he was the first sitting president to ever go to a prison. Um, or a U.S. prison. Okay. Um, and one of the things, like, they, they interviewed, like, this one kid who was just talking about, like, yeah, uh, essentially on his parole meetings, he would have to pay these, like, debts, essentially, for, like, his cost of, like, having to have stayed there. And if he can't pay those debts, he will get arrested again. So he literally was talking about, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty much going to have to go back to drug dealing to start paying these things off man like you're literally throwing them in the worst vicious cycle ever it keeps circling back to that shit <laughs> yeah well you know uh, man i i tell you what we, we had a good talk man yeah for sure man yeah dude thanks for coming on lampshade media presents the federal reserve board gone wild <laughs> Wait. So are, are we dropping you, the brown power hour? Did you? Oh yeah, because <laughs> I yeah I forgot about that. You you think we should go from the <laughs> from the Federal Reserve Board gone wild because economics boo uh-huh. to the to Lampshade Media presents the brown power hour. I mean, I feel like it's more closer to the topics. If you want, we can also switch it to the Black Panthers were the good guys. <laughs> you know what i like where you're going with this and you know it's it's up to you i i'm 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 here for the brown power hour all right let's go with the brown power hour. yeah i just i'm gonna have to like somehow make sure that everybody understands that i'm not mocking it yeah no it's up with this man. white fucking dude hosting the brown power hour what the fuck if you like yeah if you get me canceled i'm gonna be upset <laughs> No, just just make sure it clearly says with Pinak Patel, so that way it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a Patel in there. That's why. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had a great talk, and we got a new name, so uh, I'm ready to move forward confidently into the future. Sounds good, sir. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah. Much love. This program is produced by Lampshade Media. Hosted by Mel Milliman. Music by Tyson Shipman. Graphic design by Griffin Browning. Social media by Sam Welch. Voiceover by Ryan Branch. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Paddy Wagon Food and The Garden.